What's happening, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of Total Football Club. My name is Alex Perez. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. We have a great show for you all. We're going to talk about Chelsea, Manchester City. We're going to talk about Barcelona's crisis, the managerial crisis. Should they let Komen stay or will they bring in a new manager so early on? in the season but before we begin i just want to to tell you guys that you can follow us on twitter on instagram on facebook at total foot club subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast on spotify on youtube and again follow me on twitter and on instagram at alex perez fc we also have an announcement for you all it is official we are part of the blue wire hustle network it took us a few weeks we really wanted to to make it official before we said anything because we know sometimes, well, you shouldn't say anything if it's not official, right? Especially something as, as special as this. So we are honored, we are delighted, and we are very, very excited to be part of the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Moving forward, that is our home, Blue Wire Hustle. You can still listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, all those platforms, but Blue Wire Hustle is the home. Let me bring on my guy who is looking very sharp with the fresh haircut, with a nice kit. A little down because it's Chelsea, you know. Not, I think he's starting to feel like every Barca fan. Hopefully not for too long. Chris Sued, my friend. How are you feeling today? I'm doing all right. You know, every time you ask me, I'm always like, I'm doing great. We just won like 4-0. <laughs> So this time I just come off a of, uh, uh, you know, it's a little different. It's new, but yeah, um, Chelsea were like massively outplayed today by a really good team. So it's hard to really be too down, but um, yeah, they just laid down the gauntlet. It's going to be a fun, fun season. It is. And, and we talked about that last episode we we said how the top mm-hmm. four was going to be so incredibly competitive we'll get to that in a little bit uh before we begin though chris your social media floor is yours my friend uh you can find me on twitter at chris s-o-l-o-d-o-l-o underscore that's four four in a <laughs> row you got it dude awesome follow him on twitter he you have some really good tweets, very insightful tweets um so i i definitely suggest that people follow chris on Twitter. All right. Let's move forward. Let's talk about the things that we liked this week. Um, I'm going to start it off, Chris, because mine is short, sweet, to the point. I know you want to analyze what happened with Chelsea and Manchester City, but I want to talk about something that happened this past Thursday. Andres Guardado, Mexican midfielder, former left back, played his 350th game in Europe. He's one of the most consistent players Mexico has ever had. He started off as a left back playing for Deportivo La Coruña back in 2007. Then he played for Valencia. He played for Bayer Leverkusen where he didn't really have much success. He moved to PSV Eindhoven. On loan, he he played as a defensive midfielder. He earned a spot. He earned, earned the captaincy. And he was a starter. 
he was a star everyone loved him and ever since then i just feel like he has become the leader not only in his clubs but in mexico as well he won the eredivisie twice with with psv eindhoven and now he plays for betis real betis where he played his 350th game in europe so congratulations to him he actually turns 35 the day that we upload this episode which is tuesday he's had a lot of injuries but it doesn't matter because he's incredibly consistent he's very close to becoming the player with most games played in the mexican national team he's about eight games seven games away a true legend of mexican soccer congratulations to him he is really really representing us well in 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 europe and i feel like that is the model to follow that is someone that young mexican players should definitely look at and take as an example yeah that's a great one i i, didn't, I actually did not know he was at batiste they have a really so strong squad now that i think about it they have like um william william jose from from mm-hmm. i think he was at sociedad and they got mm-hmm. hector bellerin so they got a pretty decent team over there um and yeah i always liked guardiola he's he was He's a really tenacious player. I like him. He's uh, a gritty player. He is. He is. He, he's short, but he just he we tries to win every single ball. Uh, really quick before we move on, and and I I, I give you the the reins on this segment. Uh, I remember June 2011. I went to Soldier Field to watch Mexico versus Costa Rica Gold Cup game. Andres Guardado hit the sweetest volley I have seen in my entire life from just from the outside of the box, just strikes it with his, with his very privileged left foot. Beautiful goal. I lost my mind. My uncle, my uncles lost their mind too. Beers flying everywhere. It was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. That's my best memory of Andres Guardado. So congratulations to him. 350 games in Europe. Chris, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Chelsea. Let's talk about Manchester city. Thoughts on the game. What did you think about this one? So it was the the fifth time, the fifth uh, matchup between Tuchel's Chelsea and Pep Guardiola's Man City in a calendar year, and they finally got us, man. Um, you know, everybody thought that that third time was a charm when we played them in the Champions League. I would, I'd rather win that game than have one today, which is what happened. But you can you can only go so far uh, until this guy gets you, man. Pep is brilliant, and I think. They really, like I said, they laid down the gauntlet and they let everybody know, like, hey, uh, we're here. We're the defending champions. We added Jack Grealish, who's probably the best midfielder uh, or arguably the best midfielder in the Premier League. And they were only going to get better. And that's what they showed, man. Uh, Chelsea looked unbeatable for most of this year uh, under Tuchel. Uh, I just made them my favorites. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna leave from that. But I think Manchester City really showed us why um, you can't just anoint Chelsea the winner right now. You can't anoint uh, Manchester United or Liverpool the winner right now. If you're gonna anoint anyone, it should be them because they uh, they really have dominated this this league for the last three or four years now, probably the last decade. But they really either won it or came in second in the last four years. Uh, and they really have no weakness. You can say that they're toothless in attack, but if they uh, they have the quality in numbers, they have the depth that we have that we that we say Chelsea has, but they also have the style of play that nobody can 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 take from them. And Chelsea have a, had a really good plan today. They had a three-five-two with Kante, 
Jorginho and Kovacic in midfield, and uh, Werner and Lukaku up top, which is something that Manchester City hasn't seen before. They were trying to exploit their high line. They were trying to have numbers in the midfield, which is how you take on a Manchester City. And they have the same defense that has really shut down everybody. And um, it didn't make a difference. It really didn't make a difference. Um, and if you can't dent them with this kind of personnel, with a Romelu Lukaku and, and a Timo Werner, I don't. I think you're going to struggle to find teams with the necessary firepower to take down a Manchester City. So um, they really put this is a statement game. Uh, they they really let everybody have it. They they reminded everybody that they're the champs and that they're here. They're here for the for this run. Uh, last week we were just talking about how competitive this top four was. I think. I think the title race is going to be really competitive. I don't think the top four is going to be competitive. I think, they're, like I said last week, I think those four teams are really going to break away. But uh, as you can see, Chelsea and Liverpool and Man United had a big lead on Manchester City. And then here we are uh, one week later and every, there's, there's no gap at the top. Everybody's real, real tight. So it's going to be a really fun race, a really, really fun race. And Manchester City look up for it. It's definitely shaping up to be a very competitive race, and hopefully it stays like that up until late April, early May. But I do want to ask you this, Chris. I have actually a couple of questions. The first one, you mentioned that 3-5-2 for, for Chelsea, and, and they played with, with Kante, Jorginho, and Kovacic. That was, I think that's the first time that all three start uh, for Thomas Tuchel. All three together start. The to me, as I was watching the game, I felt like instead of Kovacic, maybe you play a Kai Havertz. If healthy, you play a Mason Mount and you play him and and you play them as a number 10. I feel like you needed a ball carrying midfielder, especially in transition. Do you think that that maybe Chelsea was was missing, was lacking that? ball-carrying midfielder. And the second one, do you believe Ruben Loftus-Cheek was brought on a little too late? Um, so I think you're right. The thing is, is, it's easy to say that in hindsight. I think mm -hmm. the idea to go in, in with a 3-5-2, which is, a, 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 I guess, a break from our normal formation, which is the 3-4-3 with, the, with uh, the lone striker up top and the two uh, the, the two wingers cutting um, come, coming from behind, from either side of him. Um, th that's how we played Manchester City the four the, the four times that we beat them this this year with that three four three. So yes, maybe in hindsight you say yeah you know the game and and looking at what happened when they made the change when they subbed out uh, an Ancelotti Conte and brought in Kai. The game was much more wide open, which was favoring Chelsea because living in your own box and waiting for that one-off chance, we have the players for it. You, you can see that in other weeks with the Lukaku and, and Werner, how he's how, when he's humming, that you can put those away. But uh, it, maybe we should have went for uh, the more open game. Maybe, the thing is, is, you say that, and that's how you lose the, the game against Manchester City, three, four, five, nil. Because they really they they feed on teams that think they can match that high price, so I can see why Tuchel did it. Um, I wanted it. I, I think you saw it on Twitter. I, I wanted the change at halftime because I saw 
Um, even though we overloaded the midfield last week against Tottenham when they made the change and that proved to win the game, you're not going to win the game against Manchester City that way if you just continue to uh, go back and forth with possession in that midfield. I think with Tottenham, when they introduced Kante, Chelsea started to win the majority of the ball and, and with that majority of the possession, which led to chances. With Manchester City, their their quality is another step up in that midfield. So it's it, it's really tough to to dominate them all game, and that's what would have been needed to to win with that formation. Um, with the three four three, with the with the Kai, with a Ruben Loftus Cheek, with a Mason Mount. I think we Chelsea really missed Mason Mount. He was hurt, so he missed the game. He, it's, it's not like Tuchel could have brought him in. It was a game where you can see where he really would have made the difference and. Lo and behold, in the Champions League final, who played the killer pass? It was Mason Mount in midfield. So um, that could have been – it could it really could have been the, made a difference today. But um, it's hard to fault Tuchel. You can see where his head was at. And uh, if Chelsea score the, the one-off chance that they had in the first half, maybe they see out the game. And that's, that's that would have been a really masterful performance. But uh, – Right as it stands right now, no, I think he should have went a little bit more wide open. Uh, I wanted Ruben Loftus Cheek on at halftime. I think mm-hmm. that's that's a, that would have that, that really would have surprised me if he if Tuchel had had pulled the trigger on that move. I expected Kai um, Kai in at, at the half, um, but I was pleasantly surprised to see that they brought in Loftus Cheek at the uh, I believe it was a seventy minute mark or six. yeah, it was like seventy five. Yeah, and he looked great. Um, he was gliding past defenders. He was making uh, that that midfield some of those midfielders miss and take and um, moving the 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 stage of play from the midfield to that final third, which is what you were saying that they needed. Um, but he also um, he also looked like he could have been more active off the ball. Now, part of the part of that could have been that he was saving his energy. I'm not a world class footballer. I'm not gonna. I'm not here to to doubt Ruben Loftus Cheek. This is my boy. Like, if anyone, if you, all you need is one gander on my Twitter, and you'll know that that is my boy. That is my yeah. my the prince who was promised. If to, to quote Game of Thrones, Alex is like, what? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but he was the Mason Mount before there was a Mason Mount. Essentially, he was the crown jewel of the Chelsea Academy and. Uh, I really, really rate him. Um, that being said, he also, like I said, he looked like off the ball, like he they, they needed to be more uh, energy off the ball, something that some, somebody like a Mateo Kovacic uh, specializes in. That being said, he didn't give away the, the, the possession at all when he had the ball, which is something that Kovacic was doing this this game. And it, it wasn't a performance from him that uh, – that's up to his standards for this season, I would say. I, I can't say that Kovacic had a bad game. He's not the reason we lost the game. But compared to how he's been playing this up to this season, I can, it, it looked like he was maybe a step slower than the other games that he's been playing in. So, um, yeah, Ruben, Ruben really uh, looked great. He, 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 kept, he kept possession against Manchester City, which is really difficult. And... Um, yeah, I'd like to see him get a run of games. I'm not going to say I'd like to see him in the starting 11 every week, but it looks like Tuchel trusts him, which is great. It looks like his Chelsea career is not over, which is awesome for a fan, honestly. And it's always nice to have that that other option, 
you do have Mason Mount, you have Kai Havertz, Pulisic when when he's healthy, of course. But Ruben Loftus Cheek, really impressed by what he did in those 15 minutes that he played. Re- really impressed. And and of course, hindsight is 2020, and you can always say, well, I would have done this. None of us in, are in that position, but we are in the position of 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 having an opinion after the game. And I do think that Ruben Loftus Cheek should have played more than 15 minutes. The game would have been different. At the half, of course, who knows? Maybe, maybe City doesn't score. I mean, not not that it really matters, but maybe the the whole trajectory of the game would have been different if Ruben Loftus Cheek comes on. Um, is there anything else you want to add about about Chelsea? Uh, maybe Man City, because I, I have one one quick thing to say about City before we move on. Well, no, uh, I, I just think it's a long season. This game doesn't win the title for City. It doesn't mm-hmm. lose the title for Chelsea. But I do think that it's not as surefire as some people have made to say. And that's why I was so skeptical to say from the beginning of the season, Chelsea are, are runaway favorites for the league. I don't think anyone is a runaway favorite, but I don't think that you can sleep on Manchester City and they heard everybody talking about Chelsea. They it looked like they wanted them bad, man. Yeah, and and that that leads in perfectly to the few comments that I wanted to make about Manchester City. They seem so physical. Every 50-50 ball, boom, they were there. They were fast. They were explosive. And I know this isn't the best analysis, of course, but if you watch the game, you can clearly tell that this Manchester City team was being incredibly physical. They uh, tactically they weren't beat today. Physically they weren't beat either. So they had those two facets of the game down to a T. They were good, and of course it did take a little bit of of soft defending from Chelsea, a very rare sight nowadays, for Manchester City to score because it looked like the marking was a little soft and Gabriel Jesus was able to to pivot and turn around in the box and then he took a shot, took a deflection. So that's what it took for Manchester City to break that deadlock. So if I were a Chelsea fan, I'd be like, okay, we'll get them next time. We're, we're more than okay. So I, I agree with what you said. But yeah, Manchester City just so physical, so fast, so explosive. They, they seem so dominant and so comfortable on the ball. This is just a team that we've said it many times. A well-oiled machine, and they proved it again. These guys are a team that we shouldn't be sleeping on. And I think that this was a reminder to people like me. So, yeah, I, I'm still backing Chelsea to win the Premier League. Just saying. No, I'm same, still backing them. Same. Same. <laughs> uh, it's going to be real tight. It's, it might be the funnest one in, in years, maybe ever, because there's so much quality uh, uh, amongst these teams now. I sure hope so. I hope so. I, I don't want to see anyone running away with, with it, although I did think that Chelsea... If there was anyone that was going to run away with it, it was going to be Chelsea. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to talk about Barcelona. We're going to talk about the managerial crisis. We're going to talk about the last few performances. And you're going to hear me rant. You're going to hear me very upset. So if you want to hear me scream and yell, okay, maybe not, because that's not good for the levels of the audio. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Total Football Club. My name is Alex Perez. That is Chris Suet. All right. This was your idea, Chris. This was your idea to to talk about Barcelona. So 
ask away. Ask me the question that that, that you that, that you wrote on the Google Doc. Ask me the question that that you that you texted me. So, uh, do you think Barcelona should pull the trigger and sack Ronald Coleman? And if you do, uh, who do you, who would you replace him with? Okay, based on the circumstance, I think that Barcelona should just leave Ronald Koeman. They should just keep him because what's the point, in my opinion, what is the point of shaking everything up in late September, early October? There's nothing better out there. Who are you going to bring? Roberto Martinez? Just because he has ties to Catalonia? I I honestly don't think that is a good choice. I think you just keep the manager all... And I'm not a Ronald Koeman fan. I'm not someone that is backing him because I do think that it is getting very difficult. It's actually, it's virtually impossible to defend Ronald Koeman. But I do believe that you wait until May or June, then you let go of the manager because I I believe his deal is for two years and then you just let him go. You don't pay him anything because he's not going to quit. He's not going to quit. He's not going to give up that money. He's not going to give up that that six million or twelve million pounds that he's owed, should he be fired. So you just leave him. He stays put. You don't do much. You, the season is a wash anyway. This season is a wash. I don't think Barcelona is going to do any better than third place. It it doesn't look like they're better than Real Madrid, and it doesn't look like they're better than Atletico. So out of those three, you kind of just call it a wash. They might even be fourth if Sevilla is is the team that everyone makes them out to be, right? So you let Ronald Koeman stay regardless of, of whatever happens. You, you make the most of it. And then once you have the funds, of course, and once you have a new manager, you can bring in new players. You can bring in... You, you can really shake things up with this Barcelona side. But let, let, me, just, let me just talk about the game against Cadiz. And I'm going to read you some of my notes, Chris. Um, I know you're going to have to listen to to this monologue right now for a little bit. Bear with me. This goes back to what I said about being impossible, it being impossible to defend Ronald Koeman. All right, here we go. Memphis Depay is the only special player that Barcelona has right now or had on the pitch against Cadiz this past Thursday. He can actually take on defenders, but this Barcelona team lacks a lot of width. Memphis plays next to Luke de Jong when in reality, you're supposed to be playing out wide. That's why you brought in Luke de Jong, so he can take that central part of the pitch. He Playing with Luke de Jong is basically playing with 10 players, but you bring him in to occupy that space in the middle, right? And then you have a young player like Gavi who can't really play a ball through the lines. He's 17 years old. I don't expect him to be that sharp, right? And then the only really hope out wide was Yusuf Demir, another teenager. And you sub him off at halftime. He was he was actually really good when they were playing down his right side. He was he was putting in good balls and he was doing he was doing what was asked of him. But the thing was that he never really got the ball or he didn't get much action in the first half. It's not his fault. If he wanted to get the ball, he had to centralize. But you're giving in to Cadiz's game plan. And you cannot do that. You simply cannot do that. Um, there was a lot of long balls. There was a lot of of crosses. This, this team doesn't have 
the height, they don't have the speed, and they don't have the physicality to play like that at all. And then, of course, the substitutions. I mentioned that already. They bring in Philip Coutinho. This guy does the same exact thing that Memphis, that Memphis Depay does. And everyone's just clumped in the middle. What's the point? What's the point of bringing in Philip Coutinho? That attack was way too centralized. I feel like this team plays at one rhythm. They're too slow. They're weak. And they're stubborn. Because they do not want to play a different way. My guys, Xavi doesn't play there anymore. Iniesta doesn't play there anymore. Messi doesn't play there anymore. This is a completely different different team. You cannot keep on playing the same way. And I think it's very telling that the best player that Barcelona has is Ronald Araujo, a center back, a Uruguayan center back. Uruguay produces a lot of great center backs. But that is the best player that Barcelona has right now. This team is so toothless and so incredibly sad. Wow. They are... It's worse than I thought. Uh, I I have to agree. They really, they don't look like they're taking shape under Coleman. And I think that's why I would pull the trigger. I'd have to disagree with you on giving him the rest of the season. I'd pull the trigger. And maybe it's that I'm a Chelsea fan and I'm so used to the club being ruthless. I know that part of the, part of it is what can you achieve by pulling the trigger right now, they look so bad, but that's that's actually it. You can still achieve so much this season. Uh, um, it wasn't very long ago that Frank Lampard said that this Chelsea team was not ready to compete for titles. <laughs> that same season, they sacked him and they won the Champions League title. Yeah. So I think that there's definitely players in there um, at, at Barcelona who are not producing and I agree with I agree with you there, but they they there's still some talent I think for the reason. So I would I would pull the trigger on Kuman. It doesn't look like they have an identity. It's been a year and a half now. Uh you got his players in, they don't look any better. So I would uh pull the plug on this project and start over and Give this, give the new manager a clean slate. Whether it's uh, Roberto Martinez or Eric Ten Hag, I think both of those are really great options. Those are the two options that have come out in the media so far. Both of those guys play really attractive football and would give Barcelona their identity back. Um, and I think that's the thing with Barca. Growing up, um, the first coach that I saw at Barcelona wasn't Pep Guardiola. It was Frank Richgard. And they played beautiful football. It didn't matter who they played in there. They didn't have a, a, a strong 11, they had a strong 20, strong 23. <laughs> like it, literally you could put in uh, 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 Henri or, or any any of the players that, that, that were on that roster and they they, they looked so deadly. Um, you could sub out an Eto. This is, I mean, I know I'm, I'm going back a few years, but they really had so much quality and, uh, but they supplemented that with the, with the academy. And I think Barcelona, they remind me kind of of Arsenal in, in the way that it's a really big, big rebuild. It's, this isn't a job for a good manager. I think Ronald Koeman is a decent manager. I think this job isn't just tactics. It isn't just X's and O's. It isn't just man management. This is a really big, probably the biggest job in football or top three with Madrid and Manchester United because there's so much politics that go into this, into this role 
because of the, the institution that Barcelona is. So I would just really start over and give the, the club their identity back. Eric Ten Hag is known for playing the youth and playing an attractive style. He has uh, a rapport with Frankie Dijon, which you can say is their big building block. And Pedri plays in a, in a, in a way that you can see Ten Hag really utilizing, along with the Ricky Puig and, and most of their other young talent. Uh, Martinez uh, isn't, isn't as expansive, but they play a really attractive uh, forward football for Belgium, and they did so at Everton, and they did so at Swansea before then. So Martinez is a great shout. If you can get either one of those in, I would do so now. Uh, you never know. They could probably win a, this. It's still so early that they could even maybe even win a trophy. I'm not saying they'll win the Champions League like we just did, but if they win a Copa del Rey, that's a trophy more than anyone thought they'd win this season. And that's a, a, a foundation for the future. Then in the summer, or maybe even in the, in the winter uh, window, or rather, if they win a trophy, then in the summer you can support him. But if they if they make the appointment now and they look good, then they could even reinforce him in the in the winter transfer window as well. So I think uh, if you're convinced that Ronald Koeman isn't the guy, I don't think you gain anything by holding on to him. It's not going to get any better by playing PK at, at striker more games. <laughs> like it's just it's it's not. This isn't the style you want for Barcelona. It's not uh, long balls and and inshallah is what what Twitter calls it, <laughs> which is like long balls and prayers. Like, dude, that's not how Barcelona plays. You don't have to play a diki taka, but you definitely have to play total football. You have to play with the front uh, with the front foot forward. You have to play attacking. You have to play with a purpose and soaking up pressure and hoofing it upfield. It works, but that's that shouldn't be how these types of, of football clubs play, man. So um, I would I would make the change. And there's one name that has stayed on my mind. I told you I texted you this. <laughs> please, it, please. I don't I don't know if you can get him midseason, but what I had in mind was if you can somehow get him and make Xavi his assistant coach or make Xavi go to coach Barcelona B and let this coach who I'm thinking of have his natural time at the club. And when that's over, then you do a natural succession. Kind of like how Real Madrid did with Ancelotti and Zidane. But if you could bring in a Marcelo Bielsa and bring in Xavi to be his assistant coach or to coach uh, Barcelona B, I think it's literally the perfect appointment because he he's going to bring that style right away. He didn't care that he was uh, going into England. He doesn't care if he was going to France or going into any of these clubs that he's been at, so, uh, River Plate or, or New, New wherever he's at. He brings this, this style that's synonymous with him, that's obsession, obsessed with creating goals and scoring chances and pressing high and having energy and tenacity. And if you lose and you lose playing with cojones, like that's that's what I think every Barca fan looks for. Um, maybe it's not the, the, the exact style that Pep had, but this is the guy who inspired Pep to play that tiki-taka. So I think if you bring him on, he's not the long-term appointment. He's not the Sir Alex Ferguson that every club wishes they appoint when they make uh, that, that decision. But he's someone who would really bring back the identity in the short term, would command the locker room, have instant respect, and uh, would really, I would, I would say, have a big calling 
card in the transfer market because you're going to have players wanting to go to Barcelona and take on that challenge with this legendary coach because you know the style. You're not, he's not going to go there and close up shop. He's not going to go there and do something he hasn't done anywhere else. He's going to go there and play his style. And I think he's a, he's a, he's a I would say, like a, a, a romantic with, with, with this game. I think football is his life. So I would think if he is to leave Leeds, like Leeds United, he brought them from the championship. They're back in the Premier League. They're, they had a top 10 finish last season, if I'm not mistaken. I think they finished 10. They're, they're a great football club. They're really exciting. That, that, that chapter is pretty much finished. Like, I guess the only thing he can do with them is get them European football, which isn't going to be a top four. It's maybe a Europa League spot. But you're not going to say his, his, his uh, time there wasn't a success if he finishes in 10th and, and, and leaves. Or if he leaves midseason now and, 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 and takes up this challenge at Barcelona. Because I think this is the type of role that he would really be inspired to go and take. Um, you saw it with Leeds. He, he only took that role because of what it, what it would mean in the, in, in the grand scheme of things for his legacy, for those fans, for the club. And I think Barcelona is just that next uh, upper echelon. If he if he makes it there and brings them back, there's no debate. He's probably the greatest coach to ever live. <laughs> People already say that. People yeah. think that that Marcelo Bielsa is the greatest manager of all time, and and they don't necessarily care about the trophies. They care more about the style that he has left. And yeah. That, that, that all sounds incredible. As a Barca fan, I'm jumping out of my seat. I'm like, yes, I, I want to watch Barcelona. I, I don't want it to be a chore to watch Barcelona. I don't want to watch Barcelona just because we're going to talk about it on the pod this week. You know, I want to watch it because I want to have fun. Uh, and honestly, with some of your predictions, I wouldn't I would not write this off at all. No one thought that Ronaldo would go to Manchester United and he, there he is. Um, so it could, it, it could very well be possible. I just don't know if Barcelona wants to do that. I feel like if Xavi goes back to Barcelona, it'll be to manage the first team. I don't know if he wants to go to the B team. Uh, I, I, sorry, just personally, I don't think he's ready, man. Like, I agree. I, think, I agree. Yeah. I don't think play, uh, managing at Saudi Arabia is really enough training to to get him seasoned for this role uh if this was brighton if this were west ham united yeah you can see xavi doing doing a decent job there but this is barcelona like i just said ronald Koeman is a pretty decent coach he had in the netherlands playing really great football probably their best in probably a decade mm-hmm. and he's gonna fail at barcelona like this isn't for just anybody and no offense to Xavi I don't think he was just anybody as a player but as a manager he hasn't showed I don't think he showed anybody enough to to really warrant that so you'd be you'd be hiring him for his playing experience and I don't know how much that would help uh at this point right now they're not the finished article Mm -mm, no Xavi is he's been managing since 2019 that that uh Qatari club Al Saad He's been managing them since 2019. It it is two years of 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 professional football that he has been managing, but it's not top flight. It is top flight in Qatar, but it's not in the elite of of world football. And whenever I think of guys like Luis Enrique, 
who managed Barcelona to a treble in his first season. Whenever I think of a Pep Guardiola who managed Barcelona to a treble in his first season as manager, they they had the experience already because Pep Guardiola was managing Barca B the season before he managed the first team of Barcelona. Luis Enrique was managing Celta de Vigo the season before he managed Barcelona. And he had success with Celta de Vigo. I don't know off the top of my head if they played European football or not. But there's a reason why they appointed, why Barcelona appointed Luis Enrique in, in May of 2014. Because there, there was something there besides the ties as a player. There was a style that Barcelona liked. And I do think that maybe Luis Enrique would let go a little too early. And ever since Luis Enrique left, it's just been like this, right? But I I will say this, and, and this is something that I am repeating because I agree with it. I, I listened to this on the Barcelona podcast. Shout out to Dan Hilton, by the way. He's been, I, I've done a couple episodes or, or I've done a couple podcasts with, with him. Great dude uh, from New York as well. He said that what Barcelona, well, actually, I don't remember if it was him or his partner that, that on the pod, his co-host uh, or his guest, rather. He said that what Barcelona needs right now, should they let Ronald Koeman go, is someone pragmatic, someone that doesn't get cute with anything and just kind of just, just a stopgap manager to get them to the summer. And they're like, Ernesto Valverde is probably like one of the better choices just to get them to the summer. And then we appoint our manager. I think that's a good idea because... With Marcelo Bielsa, listen, I prefer that over Ernesto Valverde any day of the week. Any day of the week, I would take Marcelo Bielsa over Ernesto Valverde. Uh, but I just don't know if Marcelo Bielsa is going to come over to Barcelona. I don't know if Leeds will make it easy for Barcelona to, to bring in Marcelo Bielsa. And yeah, maybe Ernesto Valverde just gets us to the finish line and then we start all over. Because I do think... That the best replacement or or the best choice for Barcelona is Eric Tenag. I I I will die on this hill. Eric Tenag is the best replacement, the best the best choice for Barcelona. He already said it. He's not gonna come in in the middle of the season. They say one thing, another thing can happen. Money talks. We know that. I do think Eric Tenag is the best choice for this. Barcelona side and I have a little criteria you have to play attractive attacking football he plays that you have to be young a young manager he's a younger manager I think he's in his very early 50s that's young for a manager and you you need to have the ability to maintain a project he's been at Ajax since 2017 and and he is a Cruyffist to the death he's he's a proven winner in Europe he almost made it to a Champions League final playing very, very beautiful football, eliminating Juventus and Real Madrid in the process. He works well with youngsters. We know that. And he was recommended by Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola was asked if he would go back to Barcelona. He said, uh, not right now. I wouldn't do that. But there's another guy that I think you guys should really be be looking at. That's Eric Tenag. He was recommended by Pep Guardiola. They, they worked together at Bayern Munich. I had no idea. But they worked together at Bayern Munich. I think Eric Tenag is the best choice. And Xavi is the second best choice. But a distant number two. A very distant number two. I think you go for Eric Tenag. 
and you go for Eric Tenag, and that's what you do. He is the guy that will lead your project starting in the summer of 2022. Okay. Uh, I like Ten Hag a lot, too. I think he... His Ajax side was really fun to watch. Uh, they did put a lot of big teams to the sword, like you said, <laughs> and were a fluky Lucas Mora hat trick away from making that final. So I, I think he's a, he would be a great, great move. Um, Valverde, I actually liked him. I, 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 was, I thought that it was harsh that they let him go because during that time, they're at their standards of like, oh, we're in second place. We're obviously not good mm -hmm. enough. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think now they they go rush back to him in a hurry if they could. So um, I like that move. I don't think he's the one uh, long term. No, no way. They, they they I don't I don't think he has the the necessary style to lead the rebuild. I think he's a good coach when things are humming, but a rebuild really requires someone who's going to be steadfast in how they play. And that's why I like ten that ten hag uh, decision. Martinez, uh, I think Mar Roberto Martinez, which is the other name that everybody keeps saying, is a little less attractive because he hasn't necessarily won things with those teams that he's played with, whereas Ten Hag has dominated over there in the Netherlands and really made that deep run in Europe. So and plays with more youth than, than Martinez does. But uh, I like I like both of those guys. Uh over what they have. And I, I think I even like Valverde over Kuman right now. Like, if you ask me, would you rather have Valverde to finish the season or Ronald Kuman? I'd probably say, yeah, pull the plug and see if maybe he can catch lightning in a bottle with Ernesto Valverde, who's won things before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he, I think he won the league every season that he yeah. was at Barcelona. So, yeah. He's he and and he won a Copa del Rey. The the only real I can't believe I'm talking myself into bringing Ernesto Valverde back. Oh my god, <laughs> how how the mighty have fallen. Ernesto Valverde, the only the the only real black guy that he has in his Barcelona resume is those catastrophical collapses in Champions League in Rome and in Liverpool. Those are the two black guys in his in his Barcelona resume. Other than that, he tried to make Philip Coutinho work, and it was actually kind of humming at the beginning. We, maybe not, not not for for what we thought. Or let me just rephrase this: Coutinho wasn't necessarily playing at the level that we were expecting him because of the price tag. But he was doing a lot better than he's doing now. And he was doing a lot better than he did a season ago, which, to be fair, he didn't really play much. Um, but maybe Ernesto Valverde is is a better... Well, not maybe. I think anything... I think Ernesto Valverde is a better shout right now than Ronald Koeman, for sure. For sure. And if Ernesto Valverde, Valverde is willing to do it, then you pull the plug on Ronald Koeman. But who knows if Ernesto Valverde is willing to do it? That is... That's the real question. Is he is he willing to go back? I don't know. I don't know if yeah, he is. Time will tell. Time will tell. I, I haven't I haven't read anything about that. I haven't I haven't heard anything about that. I'm actually gonna look it up right now because I, I, I wanna see if Ernesto Valverde is even in the in the rumor mill because I mean there's no 
I, I don't think Ten Hag is going to come in the middle of the season. I don't think that Xavi will. not a Kike Sieten. Oh, no. No, no, no. He was he was way, way, way underqualified. The poor guy. I think they still owe him money, dude. Oh, my God. They still owe him money. That That's... I, that... I called him Mori for the whole four months that he was in charge. Call him Mori Povich. <laughs> Why? He reminded me of Mori Povich. <laughs> Listen, um, I don't. Who was the worst? Who who who's the worst option here for this? I mean, it kind of comes down to this: Ronald Koeman or Kike Setien. Who who did worse? Oh boy, no, Kike, I don't know. Man. I think Kike yeah. Setien. Kike Setien yeah. probably yeah. did 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 worse. He that's he, probably the one name that like, you're like, no, we're gonna replace him with him. Okay, then Kike Koeman. Then yeah, no, there's <laughs> yeah this this poor guy. This poor guy, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's not much else to to do for for Barcelona. It looks like Barcelona have their hands tied. Um, I think we can agree that if there's something better, you get rid of but of of uh, Komen in a heartbeat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because this team has checked out. They have checked out. This looks like a team that doesn't believe in the manager anymore. Memphis Depay. Who is supposed to be the guy for for Ronald Koeman? Kind of just does what he wants. He does what he wants, um, and and I think it is fair to mention that this Barcelona team does have a good amount of injuries. Ansu Fati, and let me preface this by saying that we are recording this on Saturday, the twenty fifth, and Barca's next game is the twenty sixth against Levante. So we could be seeing Ansu Fati back in action. Um, Usman Dembele. He will be coming back in in a few months as well. Um, he was actually healthy throughout the majority of last season. So hopefully he can keep that form and go into this season. Um, but yeah, if if someone better is available, you let go of Ronald Koeman. But I, I will say this, Eric Tenag is the best option. And I do think that it is worth waiting for him. It is worth waiting for him. You just kind of put some tape, you put a band-aid over what's going on right now, and then you bring in the real solution, which is Eric Denag. Xavi, let, let me just finish this off by saying that Xavi, to me, it has all the makings of being a disaster with Xavi. As much as I want it to work, I really want it to, to work. I, really, I would love to see Xavi become the manager of Barcelona and lead Barcelona into a treble, but it's almost too perfect. It, it's almost like like if you start asking what can go wrong, a lot of things are gonna go wrong for this for this side. I feel like he would really, really ruin his reputation and his status of a club legend if he comes in to Barcelona as a manager and finishes third in La Liga, finishes in the round of sixteen in the Champions League. I feel like he would really ruin his reputation. And if I were him, I would seriously consider taking another job after Qatar, maybe going, maybe managing a Celta, maybe managing a Valencia or something like that, and then you go to Barcelona. But from Qatar, from Al-Sad to Barcelona, I think that it's just, it's a recipe for disaster, and I would hate to see a club legend like that ruin his reputation. Yeah, uh, the, I can give you a direct comparison. Frank Lampard. Exactly. Frank that Lampard was on the back of my mind right now. Yeah. Club legend, 
uh, had one season at Derby County, which was, you can say the championship is more quality than Qatar. Um, yeah. And Frank did reasonably well. I don't think Frank ruined his legacy as a player because he, is, he was such an immense player for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, he finished in fourth, which is akin to, like you said, finishing third in La Liga. Uh, so it's not like he won us titles and we never, I, I would have loved to for Frank to have been our coach for 15 years and us win everything. And honestly, he wasn't ready yet. So that's why I think the same thing with Chavi. I think, yeah, ideally you want your Sir Alex Ferguson and I'd be Chavi, right? That's the guy with the Barca DNA. He's a young manager. He played for Barca, played in the style you want to play in now with Messi so he has the gravitas the, res- the, the respect of the locker room he doesn't have the X's and O's yet so um, and that's not his fault you know it's really really hard to be a Zidane where you you coach um, a, a B team for a season and then you hit the ground running in the men's team and win every trophy that doesn't really happen and I feel like a lot of people saw Zidane do that and it's like yeah we can hire Frank Lampard yeah we can hire Xavi yeah, we can hire Mikel Arteta. Pirlo. Yeah, dude, it's it's um it's tough. You're hiring them partly because of their playing days and they're not gonna play. <laughs> yeah. Like simply put. So Exactly. I, I think uh I I would I don't know if I do another Liga team, which that is a good idea. I think I do what Luis Enrique did. Um uh, go manage an Italian team. He managed oh, Roma. True. Yeah, yeah, he managed right. Roma. You're right. Like develop on the tactic side. You can do that in La Liga. I'm not saying you can't, but just get some seasoning. Barcelona are they may feel like they, they need him right now, but they're not gonna go anywhere. They're still gonna be in Barcelona in three years, and they're probably not gonna be much better <laughs> unless <laughs> they, they hit on this next coach. So yeah, take take your time. If I if I were him, if I were his coach, if I were his family, his anyone, if I had his ear, I would tell him, take it to go go and manage somewhere. I I don't know if I'd stay at, at Qatar, but take the next step up and and manage somewhere else before you take that dream job. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into Xavi's position in in outside in Qatar right now. There, it's it's not just football. I don't want to get too much into it. But it's not just football. It's a lot of propaganda going into the World Cup next uh, next year. So he's probably not going to leave anyway. He's probably probably not going to leave until maybe December 2022, uh, maybe uh, summer of 2023. Um, but still, how much more learning can you do from over there? Which which listen, Xavi, I I feel like does have a big influence in Qatari football. You looked at the Qatari national team in the Gold Cup. They almost beat USA in the semifinals. Um, and this is a team that Qatar, they really shouldn't be competing like like that. They don't have the talent, but they play pretty good. They're fun to watch. So there's something there with Xavi. Now, if he can do it somewhere else, that would be nice. It would be great to see him test himself, like, like you said, in Italy, where it's incredibly tactical, where you're going to have to bring your A game tactically every single game. That would be great to see. And then manage you know, in Spain. Go on. You know what would be great? Just thinking about it in Italy, if he were to take, if either of the Milans falter mm-hmm. and he takes up that job, like if he takes over Inter or if he takes over at AC Milan, uh, it would be so much fun. 
that's what we that's what he needs like you said i think he needs to go to a league where it's like it's really tactical and it's really tough to score because then you'll see that development as a coach and it's like oh he probably you probably get better for it so it's i think that's really what he needs he he really needs a, a a move abroad it would be nice to see him at ac milan because of the style that that stefano pioli has for for this ac milan team they're they're fun to watch yeah. And, and in the league, of course, again, when they played against Liverpool in the Champions League, it was completely different because you're playing Liverpool. But it would be nice to, to see Xavi be the successor at, at AC Milan and, and continue that that attractive style of football and, and keep that trend going. All right, Chris, we're going to leave the fun for next week. I feel deflated after talking about Barcelona, and I'm sure you don't feel great after <laughs> Chelsea. So let's just call it quits right here. Um, we already said our, our, our social media and all of that. All, all I have left to say is thank you, Chris. I'll see you next week. Uh, is there anything else you want to say before we, uh, th- we wrap up? Thank you for having me, man. And um, I'm not sure. Since it's Saturday, I don't know if next week we're back in the international break. Uh, no, I think there's one more week because Chelsea and sorry uh, oh. Liverpool and Man City play on Sunday That's or it. next weekend. Yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool, Man City next weekend. Let's see, let's see if they continue it. If they if they take out Liverpool, then we got a new heavy favorite. You would have to say if they take out both of us in back to back weeks this early in the season. Um, so we're recording this while Brentford and Liverpool are are playing. It's the 92nd minute. The score we'll is score. three three. Oof! It's so tight. I'm telling you, man. Everybody dropped points today. I like, am except City, yeah. but City were four. I think City were three points behind. So now they're they're they tied. They're right there. They're yeah. leveled. It was a a, a four way tie, five way tie. Sorry, it was a five way wow. tie before Liverpool played. Now Liverpool with this draw would go top of the table with fourteen points. Every point. the other yeah. yeah the other four teams thirteen. And the other four teams are, uh, let me let me just Chelsea, take a look. I think it's Chelsea, United, City's, City. City's second place. Chelsea's third. United is fourth because they lost. And then Everton mm-hmm. with the win, uh, okay. they're in fifth place. Um, Brighton still has a game to play. West Ham has 11 points in seventh. Um, wow. Okay, this is, this is live. We're not watching the game. Um, so we probably have a lot to talk about next week. We'll we'll talk about Liverpool and Man City, surely. But uh, once again, thank you, Chris. Um, hopefully Chelsea gets a result. Uh, th- there's Champions League this week. So you guys can make yeah, up for that. Uve. We play Uve. Oh, okay. Three points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this Juve. This Juve. Three points. Hopefully. All right. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. And then Barca, well, I can see them losing to Benfica. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. And uh, of course, thank you, Blue Wire, Blue Wire Hustle for letting us be part of this incredible network. Take care, everyone. Until next week. Goodbye.